Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time to review the happenings of day number one of the legal tampering period. And so for that, we bring in our friend who's the co-founder over at U Stadium, Mr. Nick Spano. Nick, a very eventful day. There are still some big names on the board. We'll get to that later. But quite a bit of action here, day number one of the legal tampering period, which makes me believe that, like you said, there was some pre-tampering period tampering. <laughs> yeah, weren't we just on the phone like 20 minutes ago? Feels like back-to-back days, right? That's a record, I think. It really does feel like just yesterday, probably because it was just yesterday that we were on the phone talking about all this. But let's talk about the Jets first before we get into some of the <coughs> other big deals. The Jets made, I wouldn't say an enormous splash, but a decent enough size splash today. They were able to go out and get Lakin Tomlinson, the Pro Bowl guard from the San Francisco 49ers. Interesting history here with Lakin Tomlinson. He was a first-round pick of the Detroit Lions. He was there for two years, and then they brought in a new scheme on the offensive line, so he ended up getting shipped out to the San Francisco 49ers for a fifth-round pick. The interesting subplot there is that Martin Mayhew, who was the general manager of the Detroit Lions when Tomlinson was a first-round pick out of Duke, had gotten into the San Francisco 49ers front office by the time Tomlinson was traded there. He convinced them to take a chance on Tomlinson. 
Tomlinson ended up becoming a pretty good starter this year was a really good year for him like I said went to the Pro Bowl 30 years old veteran leadership understands the scheme knows the coaching staff he's never played right guard so that's one issue but Obviously, he's not signing here if he doesn't feel comfortable making the move over. And clearly, the coaching staff believes he can do it too. I was telling you before we started recording, Nick, in some ways, this reminds me a little bit of when the Jets went out and got Alan Fanica from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, Alan Fanica, a Hall of Famer, I'm not saying Lakin Tomlinson is as good as him, but it's a similar situation where you've got two young guys that have potential to be really, really good in Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. And now you bring in this veteran guard who knows his way around, who's one of the better players at his position, and hopefully he helps bring those guys along. I will say, Nick, before we get to the other moves that the Jets made today, this was a really strong one. The Jets actually have, on paper now at least, five legitimate starting caliber players on the offensive line, something that Mike McCagney never even came close to doing when he was here as the general manager. So certainly a major overhaul there on that old line. First time in close to a decade that the Jets have a formidable offensive line, one through five, and that's a very positive step for the team. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, coming away with a, a guard was was priority number one. I mean, we mentioned, you know, how they would be aggressive on the uh, interior of the offensive line, and they made a ru- heavy run at Brandon Sheriff. It seemed like he was uh, their number one focus, and when he signed uh, a big deal with the Jaguars, I think making him the highest-paid guard in football, uh, the Jets kind of moved right, right on to Tomlinson, the guy that they're familiar with, with John Benton, and obviously with Salah and LaFleur, so... They know him. They trust him. He's a leader in the locker room, very well-respected, tough player, which they definitely were, were looking for. Same as Scherf as well. Um, same could be said. So, um, yeah, you mentioned the, the Linderbaum, uh, you know, the Linderbaum uh, p- possibility. And, I mean, if he, if he is falling and he gets to the 20s, you know, which is possible, he is a center. We, I think if he were to be, you know, some people were saying he might be the highest-drafted center ever. Um, you know, if he's around in the twenties, you move up from from thirty five, and and cut McGovern. It just doesn't seem like that they're in love with McGovern, and they would love to upgrade the position. And obviously, you know, saving nine million dollars is great. So it's it's an option. Um, not sure it's a you know not sure it's it's going to happen. Obviously, with Jensen signing with Tampa Bay, um, that kind of changed things for the Jets because they did really like him. Um, <clears throat> so. And who knows? Maybe even they have somebody in in on day two at, at center that they really like that they feel can step in and play, and McGovern can go. So I don't think I don't think McGovern is is by any stretch a lock to be there on week one. So so much could happen until until then. Um, it just seems like they won't be signing anybody because there really is no other center available right now. Um, but you know the Tomlinson pick was great. It's you know we get excited about a guard, which is funny. Um, but you know, they just, they needed to do it and, and they did, they had a a massive hole there. Um, and yeah, the, the offensive line looks like it should be a strength for this team. It it really just hinges on, on Makai Becton, right? Like he needs to come in. I think, uh, OTAs open up in like four weeks, you know, he needs to show up, prove that he's healthy, prove that he's in shape, he's ready to go. And from day one, make sure that George Fant isn't starting a left tackle for the Jets next year because by all you know by all accounts is it's going to be a real open competition and there is a chance if Becton is playing right tackle that that's not a good sign for this team 
We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, not long after the Tomlinson news broke, we found out that the Jets hung on to Braxton Berrios. There were some reports that other teams were in the mix, but in the end, the Jets get him back. Two years, $12 million, $7 million guaranteed. You said on the show that you had heard the Jets were in that 5 to $6 million range, probably weren't going to budge from there. They didn't need to. I'm not sure if he actually got offered more money elsewhere and decided he was comfortable here or if some of those reports were just his people pushing things out there to try and heat up his market. Either way, he comes back. I've said this before. Berrios found a nice niche here as a gadget guy in Mike LaFleur's offense, an occasional receiver, and a pretty good return man for Brant Boyer. This is good because now this means that Brant Boyer doesn't have to cultivate another return guy. He already developed two guys into all-pro return men. First, Andre Roberts, who left, and then Berrios. So Berrios sticks around. At the price point, I'm cool with it. If the bidding had gotten any higher, I probably wouldn't have wanted them to keep him. He's solid for what he is. I think some Jets fans got a little too carried away with him because he made a few plays at the end of the season. We have a tendency to do that as Jets fans because of the fact that there's so little to be happy about in a lot of these seasons, <laughs> especially over the last decade or so where it's just been a complete mess. So in the end, the Jets keep their guy. I think most Jets fans are happy with this, and they did it without overspending on him. You could argue that maybe he wasn't worth more than $5 million, but I think $6 million is right around the cutoff point. And so anything around there or below was going to be fine. I don't think you're going to find too many people that are upset about this. Very solid signing to keep a guy in-house who had found a nice role here. Yeah, and I think he brings a lot to to the to this team. And, and you know, 
developed a nice relationship with Wilson. You could just tell by the, the even just on Twitter and the response on social, the players were, were excited to have him back. Uh, the coaching staff loves him. LaFleur is a, is a massive fan of his. So, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it helps out in special teams. You don't have to worry about finding, like you mentioned, a, a returner, a, a punt returner, kick returner. Um, we all know that kind of when, when they let Andre Roberts go a few years ago, it was uh, there was a lot of people who were upset. And Berrios brings a lot more offensively than Andre Roberts did. So um, a lot of a lot, he made a lot of big plays in, in a pretty crappy season last year. Um, you know, a lot of the headline plays were were because of Berrios. And you know, the more chances he got on offense last year, he you know the more plays he made. So. Um, you don't want to count on him, you know. If, if Berrios is your guy scoring touchdowns at the end of the season, like he was last year, it's probably probably means it was a, another long season. So, um, but to keep a guy who's great for the the morale of the team, uh, still young, is one of if not the best returners in the game, and um, can make the occasional play here on offense um, at the price that they that they wanted. Again, <laughs> Douglas gets his price. Um, which is great because earlier in the day, um, it seemed, and and we got word too that that there was going to be an offer in the eight million dollar range, and the Jets would have let him walk. Um, so whether that was you know fabricated or just agent talk, just trying to drive up the last price, or you know Berrios did decide, hey, I don't feel like going to play in Jacksonville. I'm going to you know go back to the Jets. Um, either way, they they got him at a price that they like because yeah, like we mentioned a few weeks ago they had the offer on the table between five and six and, you know, maybe they added a little bit more to, to seal the deal and, and get the guy back that almost everybody wanted. So um, nice move there to keep a guy who's, you know, you hope is going to continue the all pro special team or, and give you a few little offensive trick plays here and there. The other big move of the day for the Jets, C.J. Ozama, the tight end from the Cincinnati Bengals, comes to town, had five touchdowns and about 500 yards receiving. He's not a game changer at the position, so let's not act like the Jets got one of the top tight ends in the league. That's not the case, but they upgraded significantly, got themselves at least a legitimate starting tight end, which they haven't had in quite a while. They may still try and get a blocking tight end. I suspect they're going to grab one in the draft as well, whether that's McBride in the second round or somebody in the third or fourth. It's a deep tight end class, so who knows? You could get somebody in the fourth or fifth round that can probably help you. He's a solid player, and he's a nice piece, and he'll definitely add some good leadership skills as well. And he's absolutely an upgrade over what they had, which really wouldn't have taken much. So a nice deal here. Three years, $24 million, didn't break the bank, and they got themselves somebody that they absolutely needed. It's not the end of the story here at tight end, but it's a nice beginning. Yeah, and it's a legit NFL starting caliber tight end, which the Jets haven't had in years. I, I, I am sitting here trying to think of who their last legitimate starting tight end was, um, and I can't. <laughs> so that tells you all you need to know. Um, it's somebody who they, they really like. They think he's a massive dude. He is um, more athletic than, than you know. I guess you would think he can block. Um, he was good, good after the catch. He's made, he made some big plays last year with Joe Burrow. He's worked with a young quarterback and, you know, he's, you've seen him help out the development of Joe Burrow. Obviously he's not, it's not like he was Jamar Chase or T Higgins here, but you know, that, that tight end can be a, a really big piece. And in this offense, you know, there's a ton of possibilities for that. So 
um, it's a really, it's a, it's a good, it's a good move. It's nothing like you mentioned. It's not like you, they got uh, George Kittle here or anything or Travis Kelsey, but um, definitely the the start of redoing, which was probably epically bad tight end room. You know, I think it was probably in history one of the worst ones that they've had the past few years. So um, anything was an upgrade, and to get a guy like you know CJ Uzama, good leadership qualities obviously played on a winning team last year, athletic ability. He can block, he can kind of do it all very fair contract, which is obviously the Joe Douglas MO. He doesn't seem like he's going to step outside of anything that isn't fair. <laughs> Seems like that's, that's the guy he is, but um, got a guy that they really liked at a good price and um, is a, is a good start to building a tight end room. That'll probably, probably include a, uh, a rookie on day two at some point and a, maybe another, you know, uh, veteran tight end blocking guy. Hopefully it spells the end of uh, Ryan Griffin, Trayvon Wesco, group of absolute bums at the position. So hopefully they can hit the reset button there, send those guys all packing and, and kind of do a total rebuild there. We'll say I wouldn't hate them bringing back Tyler Croft as the blocking tight end and then going into the draft and grabbing somebody there. Wouldn't be a bad trio if you bring him back as the second tight end for now to hold down the fort, and then eventually he becomes that third tight end. We'll see what they end up doing. Last move of the day for the Jets, bringing back Tevin Coleman, one year, $650,000, so minimum investment here. I liked what I saw from Coleman last year. He had a lot more left in the tank than I expected. He understands his scheme. He played in San Francisco. LaFleur and the coaching staff like him. I don't see him as anything more than a third running back, but that's fine. He's good depth. He can carry the ball when necessary. If there's injuries, he can step in. I think it's a good move. Yeah, it's it's a move. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that. I, I honestly couldn't care less. I think, you know, in, in spurts he showed, you know, he's got some burst and, you know, he's a likable guy and, um, comfortable in the system, obviously with with Lafleur. I personally thought that they could have probably found a better player in, you know, the lower pool of free agency at running back. But I'm not going to sit here and complain about the third running back when um, they'll probably draft somebody again with one of the fourth round picks or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you probably need some a bigger back to get those tough yards. Something that Lamichael P. Ryan wasn't. He'll he'll end up elsewhere. Uh, probably Ty Johnson will end up elsewhere as well. And obviously, you know, the system likes to use multiple backs and Carter is going to be the one to kind of carry the load as, as much as possible. And um, hopefully you don't see too much of Tevin Coleman because that probably means something happened. Uh, but yeah, it, it is what it is. It's nothing to, to kind of get excited about or to, to bitch about. So um, just kind of procedural at this point. I'd like to see the Jets draft a big power back to take more of the carries because Michael Carter is a smaller guy. We saw him get hurt last year. He's going to wear out, especially the physical style that he uses. If you get a guy who's a more physical back who can take more of the carries, it preserves Carter. But what it also does, it helps the Jets offense wear down the opposing defense, control the clock, and allow Zach Wilson to be more of a game manager in year number two, which he really needs to be to help his development. So we'll see what they do heading into the draft. I'd love to see somebody like Isaiah Spiller or Zach Wilson's old friend, Tyler Algier from BYU. But that will be something we discuss a bit more in the following weeks. Nick, let's talk about some transactions around the league, and then we'll discuss who's still on the board and some moves that could happen over the next couple of days. We will start with the Christian Kirk deal, which I still can't even believe. 
four years, sixty-eight million. It could be worth up to eighty-four million for a guy who's never sniffed a Pro Bowl, never had a thousand yards. Certainly a solid receiver, but he's never been close to a number one option. I have no idea what the Jacksonville Jaguars are doing here, and we're going to talk about all of the spending that they've done in a little bit. But first, I just want to say, for all the people that yelled at me about, oh my God, Amari Cooper, one year, $20 million, that's way too much. How could you pay that kind of money for Amari Cooper? All I could say is one year, $20 million is the bargain of the century compared to what the Jaguars shelled out for Christian Kirk. I still don't understand, by the way, if the Jaguars were going to spend this kind of money, why they didn't just make the Cooper move, but whatever. I think it's insane that the Jaguars spent this kind of money on Kirk. I know that he's a young player with potential, but you don't pay elite receiver money to a guy because you think he has some potential. I don't know who's calling the shots there, if it's Balky or Doug Peterson, but this is one of the most head-scratching contracts I've ever seen in free agency. It's it's mind-numbing, and people around the league are, are pissed about it because it, it, set, it, it resets the entire market. You have guys... Well, now look at Allen Robinson, for example, today didn't sign a deal. It, not yet. You know, we don't know what offers are on the table, but teams have to sit, think to themselves, all right, let's just kind of hit the pause button here, sleep on this and, and re-talk tomorrow, you know, re- rekindle tomorrow with the DJ Chark as well. You have a guy who's never had a thousand yards. Yes. I, you know, you, you think his best days are ahead of him, right? You know, he's got more opportunities, um, you know, great deep ball guy. Um, you know, that's what you hope Lawrence can kind of develop into, but you can't, you can't break the market and it's just, it's, it's a bad job by the Jaguars. You can't break the market on a guy who, who has no business, no business getting any type of money, even close to what he got. When I heard he might get upwards of like 14 million, I was shocked. You know, that was kind of the, the talk before free agency. Then you heard this deal is going to be crazy. It's around 17. And then you heard it was what four max of 86, a maximum value of could get up to $21 million, which would be the third highest paid player in football. Like you don't think the Packers are sitting there just saying like, what, what is going on? Like what, what's happening here? They have Devonte Adams. If he, if, if, if Christian Kirk is worth, you know, a max of 21 million, what's Devonte Adams worth? So this just, this has a trickle down effect on on everything. So it's not just something where, oh, you know, the a one off thing. The Jaguars, oh, another f- stupid signing. Like they also gave Zay Jones, I think, like mm-hmm. a max of ten million, which is awful. Um, that's whatever. You know, it's like, well, you overpay a player who has you know no business. But this, you know, this type of contract just has so many ramifications, and it's it really is like mind numbing what happened. The Jaguars weren't done spending with Christian Kirk. Foye Luicon, who I had mentioned as a possibility for the Jets, three years, $45 million, $15 million a year. I thought he was going to get about 10 Foley Fadakasi, mm. former Jet, three years, $30 million for a guy who's just a run stuffer. Brandon Scherf, really good player, but he misses a lot of games. He's hurt all the time. I get it because you're trying to protect Trevor Lawrence, but man, a ton of money for a guy who's in his 30s and has all those injuries. Evan Engram, one year, $10 million, another guy with a lot of injuries. And as you mentioned, Zay Jones, and they're not done yet. There's rumors they're in on Darius Williams, the cornerback, Mm -hmm. and who knows what else. So as far as their strategy goes, they're basically throwing the kitchen sink here. 
on the one hand, I get it. You want to spend in the rookie window. But on the other hand, when you spend all this money on mediocre players, <coughs> it usually ends up blowing up in your face. My suspicion is this is going to be a situation where the Jaguars will be significantly improved in year number two. Lawrence will play better. They'll probably win seven games, maybe eight. And everybody will say that the arrow is pointing up and then it's all going to fall apart in 2023. Just remember what happened to the Jets in 2015 when they won those 10 games and then they came crashing back down in 2016. There are a lot of examples of this. So it happens when you spend so much in one year on mediocre players. I suspect we're going to see that to some extent with the Patriots this coming year as well, although obviously some of that will be mitigated by the fact that they have the best coach in NFL history in Bill Belichick. But yeah, what the Jaguars are doing is absolutely insane. Yeah, I think it's 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 awful. Um, I, I understand the sheriff signing because when he's healthy, he's one of the best guards in football. Um, but the Fatukasi, you know, ten million average. I get it. You know, you have to look at the guarantees and what they're going to pay him. But you're you're setting record. You know, you're setting market prices for guys who just don't belong being paid that much money. And I'm all for these guys going out to get these contracts. Good for them. Like I'm, I'm pro player when it comes to that a hundred percent. But when you're looking at it, you know, as a, as a fan, you know, it also impacts your team because, you know, the jets are going to be in the market for, uh, you know, a, a guard like they were with Tomlinson and that contract with sheriff affects them. So it, it, there's an, there's again, another trickle down from, from basically every kind of decision that the Jaguars made, like paying a Luicon that much money for an inside linebacker. Um, no, I, I, I heard the Jets never really had any interest in, in any kind of uh, spending anything money or, or top draft pick wise at that linebacker spot. I think they want to see some of these young guys play. They like, they want this, that sideline to sideline speed there. So they want to give, uh, Sherwood and Nigel Dean and Quincy Williams will look next to Mosley. Maybe next year they're in a different position, but um, this year it was low on their, uh, <clears throat> you know, low on the list of things that they need to fill. Um, and who's the last? There was another signing in Jacksonville, right? It was Alua Khan, Fatikasi, Sheriff, Zay Jones, and obviously uh, Kirk, you know, so. I think it was an absolute like monstrosity. <laughs> I don't think, I, I don't, I don't see the, improvement that you're seeing um i think what they did was just they they were basically playing fantasy football and they just started picking a bunch of players and just throwing as much money as they can at them i don't see any type of strategy i don't see any type of plan to surround trevor lawrence with anything they let dj chark go who's by far the best receiver that of any of the players signed <laughs> you know zay jones and christian kirk i would have rather kept Chark and not sign those guys. So they didn't bring in a tight end. So I, I don't know what they're doing. Um, I, I doubt that they do. Um, I like, like I mentioned, I like Sheriff if he's healthy and they kept Cam Robinson and still keeps them in the, in the market for, you know, a tackle there. Um, so, you know, hopefully they go that route for them, but I just thought what they did was, was a total shit show today. Yeah. I'm not defending transactions. In fact, 
I was doing the exact opposite. I'm just saying that they did upgrade at these positions. Mm-hmm. They way overspent to do it. I think they're going to win more games. They'll probably win a significant amount more because they have a very easy schedule and Trevor Lawrence will play better his second year. And I think it's going to trick a lot of people into thinking the Jaguars are better than they are. And it's going to be a lot like what we saw with the Jets from 2015 to 2016, where they're going to come crashing down and it's going to be really ugly in year number two after these free agents are in here. So we'll see how this plays out. But man, that is just some insanity that we saw from the Jaguars today. Let's go around the league with some more moves. Emmanuel Ogba goes to the Dolphins. Four years, $65 million, $32 million guaranteed. Joe Noteboom stays with the Rams. Three-year deal, $40 million, $25 million guaranteed. Looks like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the wide receiver from the Packers, has interest from the Raiders, Bears, 49ers, Colts, and Texans. We'll see where he ends up landing. Didn't sign anywhere today. Bradley Bozeman, the center from the Ravens, has some suitors. He didn't sign anywhere today, so we'll see where he winds up. The Dolphins got Chase Edmonds on a two-year, $12.6 million deal with $6.1 million guaranteed. That gives Mike McDaniel a legitimate running back. 49ers signed Shavarius Ward, so that probably means that they're out on Stephon Gilmore, which could have some implications for the Jets, who are said to be a contender for Gilmore's services. Cardinals get James Conner, three years, $21 million, $25.5 million max, and $13.5 million guaranteed. Mitch Trubisky signs with the Steelers, two-year deal. He's going to be the presumed starter there. As of right now, it's $7 million per year, but it could balloon up to double that depending on if he hits certain incentives. Bears are expected to sign Larry Ogunjobi from the Bengals, so that's a nice piece for them on the interior defensive line. Lale Collins should be released. The tackle from the Dallas Cowboys doesn't look like a trade's happening, so I'm sure he'll have a market once he gets out there and is fully available. Seahawks re-sign Quandry Diggs, three years, $40 million. Wow, were they committing a lot of money to safeties. Bold strategy, Cotton. We'll see how that plays out for the Seattle Seahawks. Deshaun Watson news. Looks like he's going to meet with the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, but there are reports that he is not interested in the Seattle Seahawks. Devondre Campbell, all-pro linebacker, stays with the Packers. Five years, $50 million. Key piece there in their defense. Randy Gregory, the edge rusher from the Dallas Cowboys, who's had a lot of off-the-field problems over the last few years, has some interest from a couple of teams, so we'll see where he falls. Patriots look like they're going to reach a new deal with Matthew Slater, the 10-time special teams pro bowler. I'm now convinced, Nick, that both Slater and McCourty are going to be Patriots until the year 2075. Lions hang on to safety Tracy Walker, three-year, $25 million deal. Jarvis Landry was released, reportedly so some heavy interest there from the Buffalo Bills. We'll see where he lands. Justin Reed, the safety from the Houston Texans, signs with the Chiefs on a three-year deal. That means Honey Badger is not going to be back. Not surprised. Honey Badger had been saying for a while that he was looking to leave. There's something going on there. Apparently, the Chiefs never even made him an offer. So take that for what it's worth. Not sure where he's going to land, but he will not be back with Kansas City. Roger Saffold goes to Buffalo, the former Titans guard. That's a nice signing for them. Should help them on the interior offensive line. Eagles sign Hassan Reddick, the edge rusher. Three years, $45 million. Nice signing there. They really needed some help. 
with their edge rush. They get it with Hassan Reddick. B.J. Hill signs with the Bengals. Three years, $30 million. Giants bring in John Feliciano, who obviously had a connection to both Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And they go and get Glowinski as well. And the Giants clearly showing you that they are looking to do an overhaul of their offensive line. Would not be surprised in the least if they end up adding to that in the NFL draft. Mo Cox, the tight end from the Colts, stays in Indianapolis on a three-year deal. Colt McCoy goes back to the Cardinals as a backup on a two-year deal. Two huge signings on the cornerback market. J.C. Jackson goes for over $80 million to the L.A. Chargers. We knew they were trying to make a big splash on the defensive side of the ball. First, they traded for Khalil Mack. Then they get J.C. Jackson. Carlton Davis, the other big corner on the market, he stays with Tampa Bay three years, $45 million. Probably could have gotten more, but I suspect this is one of those Tom Brady discounts. Dolphins signed Teddy Bridgewater to a one-year deal. Max value $10 million. Guaranteed money is $6.5 million. So he gives the Dolphins an insurance policy with Tua Tagovailoa, who obviously has a history of injuries. Demarcus Lawrence just became the first defensive end in NFL history to have seven straight seasons with his contract fully guaranteed. He restructured. He's now got three years at $30 million guaranteed. Xavier Woods, the safety from the Cowboys, stays in Dallas three years, $15.75 million. New Day Rocks. New Day Rocks. Sorry, Xavier Woods, WWE wrestler. Had to do it. Had no choice. Panthers closing in on a deal with guard Austin Corbett, who had received some interest from around the league. Sebastian Joseph Day, the defensive tackle from the Rams, goes to the Chargers. Three years, $24 million, $15 million guaranteed. Another big move for the Chargers. And by the way, Sebastian Joseph Day really blossomed under the defense of Brandon Staley in L.A. with the Rams. So it makes sense that he would follow Staley to the Chargers. D.J. Jones, a defensive tackle, signs with the Broncos. Three years, $30 million, $20 million guaranteed. Big move for the Denver Broncos. Frank Clark stays in Kansas City. New deal is two years, $29 million, and it could be worth up to $36 million when you factor in incentives. And our old friend, the folk hero, Nick Folk, stays in New England, two years, $5 million, $2.19 million guaranteed. So, Nick, that's everything that happened. What are your thoughts on the non-Jets moves that went down today? The Chargers stick out to me. I mean, adding, obviously, J.C. Jackson to a secondary um, with with Derwin James, uh, Asante Samuel Jr., Michael Davis, uh, it's just a it's a, a great group. And obviously, with the two pass rushers now, and I think that they'll be at least in the conversation for some of these interior defensive linemen. Whether it's a trade for Fletcher Cox, um, you know, one of the uh, remaining free agents, I think they they kind of stick out the most to me. Um, I think Eddie Goldman is also available, someone like uh, Akeem Hicks. So they'll they'll definitely add there, or they look for Jordan Davis in the draft. So they upgrade that interior defensive interior defensive line pressure that that they want to get um, in that division. So I think the Chargers are, are all in. Obviously, also keeping Mike Williams a couple of days ago. Um, they they stick out the most to me. Um, I, I I like the Giants two moves honestly with Mark Lewinsky and John Feliciano, some veteran. Uh, veteran offensive line help from two good organizations uh, come in with bring some stability obviously familiarity with 
uh, like you mentioned, Joe Shane and, and Dayball Feliciano and Glowinski from a great offensive line in Indy um, really kind of locks down a awful Giants unit. I think Feliciano is going to play some center and I think Glowinski will play right guard. Andrew Thomas at left tackle and then they'll probably draft uh, if Icky or Evan Neal fall um, or maybe Charles Cross who gives you that also gives you that positional flexibility. Um, I kind of like that for, for them because, uh, you know, they, they weren't expected to to really do much with their cap space. So um, liked, liked what they did a little bit. Um, really what sticks out to me are the guys that are still out there. And I know, you know, we'll touch on that a bit, but um, you know, my, I liked Miami with Chase Edmonds. I think Teddy as a guy who, when you have to, uh, you you need somebody who's who can play at least has had some experience. Like you saw, uh, you know Fitzpatrick year one, year two they had uh, Brissett. So you need a guy because you're probably going to be starting at least two games. Um, so they're bringing a guy with Teddy with some experience and uh, the Chase Edmonds I mentioned and Cedric Wilson, the receiver from the Cowboys, decent pickup. Nothing more than probably a third <clears throat> third option in the passing game when you have Waddle already um, and Devontae Parker and a few other guys. Uh, Wilson's a, a decent option. So they had they made some kind of small moves. I mean, I think they're still in the market for one of these offensive tackles, whether it's uh, <clears throat> Taron Armstead or um, the oh, why am I drawing a blank on the page? Trent, uh, Trent Brown um, or if if Lyle Collins becomes available. So. I think they still have some money to spend and keeping Agba was huge for them. Um, so they, they had a nice, uh, nice day too. So, you know, there's a few moves and there's so much, so many guys left out there. Um, but those, those teams kind of stick out to me. Obviously you always look at like where these big names end up, but I, I kind of like to look at what teams did at area of need as the, and as long as they didn't make any outlandish Jacksonville moves, um, so those, those few teams with some underrated moves that I like forgot to mention, by the way, Nick, that before the day even began, Ryan Jensen, the center for the Tampa Bay Bucks, re-signed three-year deal. Another one of those Tom Brady signings, Jets very hmm. disappointed because there was a lot of noise that they were looking to move on him. And then that way they would upgrade from Connor McGovern, but he stays in Tampa Bay. Let's quickly go through the list of the top guys that are still on the board. You mentioned Teron Armstead. He's still there. The tackle from the Saints. Von Miller is still available. He's 35 years old, but as we saw throughout the playoffs in the Super Bowl, still one of the best edge rushers in the game. Speaking of edge rusher, we mentioned Randy Gregory before. Chandler Jones is still available. Marcus Williams, the top safety out there, 25 years old from the Saints. Allen Robinson, one of the top receivers in the NFL. I know he had a down year, but he's still available on the open market. James Daniels, who got a lot of talk the Chicago Bears, he's on the board. He's an offensive guard, only 24 years old. We mentioned Stefan Gilmore, Bobby Wagner in his 30s now. He's also available still. Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, has not been signed yet. You mentioned Trent Brown. He's still available, as is Dwayne Brown. He's getting up there in age, but still an effective tackle. Gronk hasn't signed yet, but I fully expect him to wind up going back to the Bucks. Bradley Bozeman has had some interest, but nobody signed him yet. Odell Beckham Jr. still on the board. A lot of people expect him to stay in L.A., but we'll see. Marquez Valdez-Scantling still available, as is DJ Shark. 
Jordan Whitehead, really good safety with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is available. Our old friend Marcus May is still on the board. Juju Smith-Schuster is available. Jaquiski Tart could be interesting. 30 years old, safety from the San Francisco 49ers would certainly be familiar with the scheme and an upgrade over what the Jets have, so keep your eye on him. Clays Campbell's 35 years old, but he can still play, and he's available for somebody to sign the Jets are still active on the tight end market, so don't be entirely shocked if they go after O.J. Howard, who's still only 27 years old. And as far as quarterbacks go, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, the top two picks in the 2015 draft, are available. I don't know how viable they are as starters, but with Mitch Trubisky signing a deal to be a presumed starter on a playoff caliber team, I wouldn't rule anything out with either one of those two. So, Nick, those are the guys still on the board. Any thoughts on who's still available and what we might see on day number two? Yeah, I mean, the, the focus goes to our top our top two free agents when we did our list are available still in Terran Armstead and Marcus Williams. So um, I think the lack of movement on the edge kind of tells you what teams think where they don't want to really kind of pay up any of these uh, large contracts. I'm sure Chandler Jones and Von Miller will probably find a home tomorrow um, or over the next few days and, and get paid handsomely. But um, this, the next year with the Clownies and Randy Gregory, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, this draft class is so deep at edge. Um, teams are probably going to punt over, punt on free agency like the Jets and you know, focus their early pick on the uh, edge rush position. So that kind of stuck out to me for sure. Um, and and the safety position is still loaded, and it's a good problem. Uh, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it's a good thing for the Jets because they're in that market for sure. So if Marcus Williams, who they really, really like, um, if he prices himself out, which it seems that he is right now, and understandably so, there is a Tyron Matthew. There is a uh, Jordan Whitehead. So, um, maybe you come away with a Stefan Gilmore and a Jordan Whitehead instead of a Marcus Williams and somebody else. So um, I think the Jets will end up signing a corner and a safety, you know, hopefully tomorrow. Uh, that's kind of the two areas where they seem to be most focused on now. And that allows you then to say, hey, we've we've kind of, you know, pack up your bags. We did our, our heavy lifting and free agency. We'll, we'll kind of pick through the next few tiers, you know, maybe grab another, Maybe uh, Duvernay Tardif uh, will come back, and um, obviously Joe Flacco will probably return. But um, it allows you to kind of head to the drafts with filling four major needs: right guard, tight end, corner, and safety. And it gives you the, you know, the extreme, uh, obviously need at edge and, and receiver, um, and then probably another corner and safety as well. So. You know, the, those would be four major holes that they can kind of close if they do land one of the safeties and corners. And, um, you know, there's still a lot of a lot of good players and there's going to be a lot of cuts and, and trading going on, too. Now, as you know, the roster shuffling begins and teams have to get to that number uh, by Wednesday at four o'clock. So a lot of stuff still to come. Um, I'm sure you didn't really get any you didn't get a trade today. Um, so that was interesting. But maybe, you know, maybe tomorrow as guys sign and guys come off the board. Um, but you know, I'll be I'll be watching the Dallin Robinson and DJ Chark situation. I don't think the Jets will be in play for either one of them, but um, it'll be interesting to see where they land. Nick Spano, co-founder U Stadium. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down everything that happened day number one of the legal tampering period with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to keep up with everything that's going on, and Lord knows there was so much going on day one. There's going to be a ton going on day two. They've got to do something. 
Let me see. What is it they have to do? Download the app. That's right. And turn those notifications on. You'll get all that stuff today that happened. And the phone, my phone, I don't know how it didn't die on me at all today. It was buzzing left and right. But um, turn those notifications on. You'll get all the up-to-date news and rumors and um, try out the takes feature. Basically, you way to monetize your sports prediction. So if you think the Jets are going to land, Marcus Williams, you can go throw some points on it, throw it out there. Users on the app can either agree and disagree. And once that take is settled, points will be rewarded and you can cash out and get paid with those points. Um, really fun. A lot of people using it. So get in there, try that out if you want. Some points, shoot us a DM at U Stadium to try it out. We will send you some points to get you started. And um, just make sure you got that app downloaded. Make sure you download the app and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from down under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there right now, including a video on whether or not it would make sense for the Jets to break the bank for Marcus Williams. Go ahead and check that out and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's tee-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt. The Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee-public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. 
Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.